Um, this morning is just a touch different than what we normally do, and uh, I'm really excited about it. Um, before we get into what the morning is going to look like, I want to draw your attention to a couple of things. One, um, there are white and blue cards that are kind of scattered around um, the seats, and there's also a bunch back there. If you happen to sit down in a seat with one of these on it, take that as a providential sign from God that you are to um, write on this. Um, it says prayer request on it, um, but there, there, I think it's, it's more than just a prayer request. It's, it's also maybe a prayer request you have for our church, or maybe something God has shown to you that you want to begin to pray. Um, it's, it's not just my, my sick aunt or my sick uncle. Um, learn this this week. There are Paul writes most of the New Testament. There are 42 prayers that he writes in the New Testament, and none of those prayers has any mention about any circumstances. No, God, Paul is not praying for people's circumstances. He's praying that people's hearts would be enlightened by God. And so as you look at these, and if you sat down on one of these, or, or if um, I'm, I may have even given you one. I've given a couple of people one of these this morning already. Um, take that as a providential sign that God... Um, you've got something to offer to this church in terms of prayer. Um, and what happens with these things is the elders and the deacons get them and look at them, and then we begin to pray them. So if it's just a simple prayer that you have for the church, um, engage that with us. Help us to, to engage one another in, in a community of prayer. And then the, the second thing before we get started is in the back the canvas that's back there, uh, it's starting to happen. People are beginning to, to write some things that, uh, phrases, words that God has, has spoken to you during one of the sermons or even, uh, apart from that. So before church, during church or after church or anytime, feel free to, to write something that God has shown to you, a phrase in the Psalms or something like that, uh, on that canvas. And then when the series is finished, we're going to hang that someplace in, in the auditorium, uh, next to, next to this one, which is a blank canvas, and kind of juxtapose the two of those things together artistically. So um, that's, that's what's going on, and I want you to, to really engage with those things. Um, so the next four weeks, maybe five weeks, and, and if uh, God does something, we, we may keep doing it. Who knows? Uh, but at least today in the next three weeks and, and maybe further, um, one of our people is going to come and kind of bring the message to us this morning. And there is a, a theological term um, called priesthood of the believer. And priesthood of the believer is, is a fancy way to say that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have 100% the same right and privilege and authority to enter into the presence of God that any other person does. I don't have any better connection with God than you do. Priesthood of the believer means if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, then you have complete and total access to God. And for the next four to five weeks, we're going to get to experience that. And I want you to, to know, probably the, the biggest thing that I want you to see as one of our people comes up here and, and just talks about what God has done in them and through them and, and around them having to do with the Psalms is that the, the scriptures, God's word is accessible to you. Like there's no, God has revealed himself through his word throughout 
all of eternity past. And, and the idea is that, that God wants to connect your heart to how he's revealing himself. And, and I don't have anything special, and you don't have anything special, and the people that will sit in this chair don't have anything special, other than the fact that they've sought the Lord. And so what I, what I want to do is kind of unlock for all of us this privilege that we have to read and, and be connected with God's Word. And so if you think that there's something different about you or you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you haven't studied enough, that's chase that away and allow God to speak to you through His Word. Um, so uh, this morning, uh, Rebecca is going to come. Rebecca, come on up for if you would. Um, she's going to come and talk to us about about steadfast love uh, this morning. Have a seat there. Um, and in the middle of these, um, the hit that pray disciple serve up there, Abram. Um, I want you to, to see this uh, because the Psalms really lend themselves to prayer and, and they can be prayers that we can make to God. And then <clears throat> disciple and serve are, uh, are two big ones throughout the next four weeks. And what's going to happen here is Rebecca has been discipled by people and by, by God himself to engage with the phrase steadfast love. And so she's been discipled, and now she's discipling uh, our youth. Uh, she leads our youth. So there's discipleship that's happening. And then I want you to see you will be, be being discipled by Rebecca as she talks this morning. And then the serve piece. A lot of times we think of serving as someone has a need, and then we go and, and satisfy that need like we did a few weeks ago when we... Uh, we, we did the, the sharing shed event where we brought up, picked up a bunch of stuff and took it to others um, and, and serving in that way. Or we think about serving the poor. But what's happening this morning is Rebecca will be serving us by proclaiming truth that God has proclaimed to her heart. And we get to connect with God in the ways that Rebecca has connected with God. So here's an opportunity for us to engage with all three things this morning. Pray, disciple, and serve. Um, let me pray and then I'll just let Rebecca have at it. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this, uh, this church and, and what you've done here, Father. I pray now for these next few moments that you would um, speak through Rebecca. And I, I, thank you, I thank you for how you have uh, enlightened her heart and engaged her heart with the idea of that your love is unfailing and unchanging and is completely satisfying, Father. I pray now that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to the fact that you love us in an unchanging way and your love doesn't depend on us at all or our actions. It's just, it just is, Father. And I pray you would open our eyes to, to how much you love us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen. Go get him. Okay. Raise your hand if you think I can make it through this without crying. I think Josh is taking bets, so if you want to put your money. Um, now, good morning. I'm really happy and privileged to be able to share this with you. Um, when Rick first asked me to be a part of this and I said yes, um, I don't think there was really a question as to what psalm or phrase I would do. He was just like, so steadfast love then? And I'm like, yeah, just put me down for that. We'll do that. Um, but... 
If you know me very well at all, you know the Psalms are really important to me, and in particular the phrase steadfast love. I've even tried to get a tattoo of it, and we'll hopefully try again. It was too small, so I don't know. I've got to rework it. But um, God has used the Psalms, and in particular this phrase, to teach me about him and to grow my affections and desire and love for him more than anything else. So this morning I would like to first share what God has shown me steadfast love to be and then share with you what he's done in my life through that. North Church has done a similar series before in the past, I believe, in the summer of 2013. And I think it was even called Summer of Psalms. And it was a particularly difficult season of life for me. Um, I felt very desperate. And so I was like, all right, let me try to do this pray through the psalm thing that Rick's always going on and on and on about. So um, so I did. I started reading and praying through a psalm a day. And I quickly realized the phrase steadfast love being repeated over and over and over. So as we just sang, steadfast love is unchanging and unfailing love that is always promised and always true. One way that Rick has explained it that's always stuck with me and that I really loved is that God's steadfast love never changes, no matter what we do or don't do, but that it doesn't need to change to fully and completely satisfy us 100%. And if you just stop and think about that for a second, it's, it's crazy to think we always have what we need to be 100% satisfied. When that finally clicked, when God showed me that, it was life-changing for me. I was thinking this past week um, about what Rick has said the last couple weeks and even Ben talked about on forgiveness and how um, if we aren't careful, we can um, put our inability to forgive and kind of project that onto God but how he is perfect in forgiveness. And the goal of thinking on that isn't so that we would become better at forgiving or seeking forgiveness, but um, that we would just, it would grow our affections and our desire for God and his perfect forgiveness. And I think that the same thing is true with his love. His love is steadfast and it's unfailing and it's unchanging And ours can be so limited and conditional. And I think if we're not careful, we can easily project that onto God and think that his is that way. And so we have to kind of preach that and meditate on his perfect and steadfast love. So I mentioned earlier when God first showed me his steadfast love, it was in a particular particularly difficult season of life for me. Kind of embarrassed to admit this now. I'm sure I've told some of you this, but when I first went to college, it was really never my goal to finish. I thought that I would meet a guy and get married and start having kids, and that was my only goal. And not that there's anything wrong with doing that. It's just that was my goal. And so ultimately, it was my God. And, um, Obviously, that plan didn't really work out, um, at least the way I thought it should. 
And so I tried in different ways to make it happen on my own. And so this season of 2013 was... um, me crashing and burning and just the failure of me trying to do that on my own. And um, that's when we started the praying through the Psalms and I started reading a Psalm a day and praying through it. And um, another theme that kind of goes along with his steadfast love was this idea of like the desires of my heart. And um, it's in the Psalms a lot, but then growing up, you just like, I always heard it explained as you know, seek God and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Like just put him first and then he'll give it to you. Or the opposite of like, seek him and he'll change your heart's desires. Right. And neither of those were happening for me. And so I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't get it. I even remember like sitting in their living room being like, I don't, I don't get it. Um, and then just praying through and reading through the Psalms one day, the Lord just kind of like, clicked it in my mind, and I want to read um, just part of a journal I wrote, just a little excerpt. Um, This was in October of 2013, so I'd been reading through and praying through the Psalms for a little while at this point. And it says, what if the desires of my heart God talks about giving me aren't the things I want, the things I think I need, or the desires I want to be happy or fulfilled? but rather the things he knows I need, the things that will actually make me happy and filled. What if the problem lies in my understanding of these things and these desires and what they actually are? And what if, because God is so great and awesome, he is already giving me the things my heart truly desires and needs to be happy and fulfilled, and the problem is my focus is on the wrong things. So I was a Bible teacher here at the school for a while. And one like illustration I would often give to kind of explain this idea to the kids is imagining like a toddler or a kid who is hungry and they really want just candy and junk food and just a bunch of things that taste good and are going to immediately fill that void or that desire. But how as adults and as the parent, and they may even see the adult or a parent as mean or bad because they won't let them have them. They want to make them eat their vegetables and what's good for them. But as their parent and as the adult, you know and you understand that what their body's actually craving and needing for nourishment and growth is healthy, nourishing food. And obviously the analogy breaks down at some point because God is infinitely better. But I just think it helps describe this when God is talking about the desires of our heart, it's not that he wants to give you the things you want. It's that he does want to give you the things your heart really wants, which is him. Um, Here's the thing about God. He is steadfast love. He cannot fail. He always satisfies. If we aren't feeling filled or satisfied, the problem lies in us, not him. I think back to our series of the pursuit of happiness and even that little bump video that we showed and how we're constantly trying to fill our lives or ourselves with things that we think are going to make us feel happy and filled. And even some of those are good things. They're not all bad things. Some of them could be church or serving or our families. But the steadfast love of God is the only thing that even has the ability to fully and completely satisfy us. 
sometimes it's a fight to believe that. Sometimes we have to speak truth, and as I've always liked to say, as a coach or a teacher, you got to fake it till you make it sometimes. This week I read a prayer from the Valley of Vision, and there's a phrase in it that I think describes this perfectly, and it says, Help me to honor thee by believing before I feel, for great is the sin if I make feeling a cause of faith. Sometimes it's just speaking that truth until our feelings can catch up. God has used Rick and Jen and even this church and their discipleship over the last 10 to 11 years to teach me so much about him. And one of the most important things I've taken away is the need to preach to your heart and meditate on God's word. One verse in the Psalms in particular that God has showed me and really used to um, change my heart's perspective on what my heart is actually desiring and what will satisfy me is Psalm 63, 3. And it reads, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So as I was meditating on this verse, I realized that life is something that we hold valuable, probably the most valuable. And I realized that God was just showing me I could interchange that with anything that I was holding valuable. And so I started doing that over and over. I would just fill in that blank with whatever I felt I was lacking or whatever I felt I needed to be satisfied or filled. So I would just claim the statement, your steadfast love is better than a husband. Your steadfast love is better than acceptance. Your steadfast love is better than success or comfort or feeling like you're a good parent or whatever goes in that blank. But claiming that to be true over your heart and life more than feeling it. I don't always have to feel it for it to be true. It is true. And I have to preach that to my human forgetful heart. Um, Rick said it might be a good idea here to kind of share an example. (laughs) So um, referring back to my difficult season of life, it was, shocker, after a breakup, um, a breakup of a relationship I really had no business being in in the first place. Um, But it was a fight every morning to get out of bed and... um, read through the psalm and just say, like, I I mean, I remember desperately just telling God, like, you're going to have to show up because I'm not going to make it through today without trying to call him or, like, I just need you. Like, this is, um, you know, show up. (laughs) This is when you come through. And um, there was just this idea of, like, happiness rolling around in my mind a lot then because he would, you know, when trying to, like, salvage the relationship, would say things like, you know, you make me happy, and I think I make you happy, and I really, I want to be happy, I want to make you happy, like, so just this idea of my happiness was in my mind, and as I was going through the Psalms, and I remember vividly, and even journaling about it one day, when um, I really felt like God just showed me and told me that, number one, not only could he or any guy or anything or anyone make me ultimately happy, that I could 100% be happy without him or in any circumstance or any situation because my happiness comes from him alone and that's a gift from him. 
So it was like this light bulb went off. And again, not that my feelings automatically matched that, but just knowing and believing that that was true. And the thing is, it's, it's a gift of faith. And that's not a call for us or me or you to be like, oh, believe better, do better, like ignore your feelings. But I believe that faith is a gift from the Holy Spirit. And so it's a call to beg of him for his mercy and his grace to give you the gift of faith when you don't feel like you have faith. Tearing up doesn't count. (laughs) Um, It's a relying on the Holy Spirit to do what he's promised. And the best thing is he can't fail. So when we ask him for faith, he's, he's not a failure. And I think that's what the Bible means when it says things like, ask and you will receive, or seek me and you'll get the desires of your heart. Because he is faithful every time to show up when we ask properly, when we ask what our heart really needs. So my question for you and my challenge for you is what goes in your blank? And what do you struggle to make ultimate? What do you need to claim that God's steadfast love is better than? Um, because I'm a teacher or was a teacher, I have a handout, but it's not a worksheet. <laughs> I promise. So these are some of my favorite um, verses in the psalm that claim promises of God's steadfast love. And so my challenge, I wanted to put it before you to do the hard work. Um, So my challenge to you this week is to claim those promises, to pick some of those verses, and speak them as truth over your life, um, even if it doesn't always feel like it's true. And I thought that we could end by doing that together. Um, I picked some of my favorite phrases from some of those favorite verses, and um, I thought we could do a responsive reading and claim those promises together this morning. So I'll let you finish passing those out, and then um, we can read this together on the screen. Okay. Your steadfast love is before my eyes. I walk in your faithfulness. Steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. I trust in the steadfast love of God because you have done it. God shows me steadfast love. I will sing of your steadfast love. In the abundance of God's steadfast love, he answers me. Satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love that I may rejoice and be glad all of my days. Your steadfast love, O Lord, holds me up. He crowns me with steadfast love and mercy. With the Lord, there is steadfast love and plentiful redemption. Your steadfast love is better than life. That's it. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for um, Rebecca to uh, come in front and and speak these truths to us. Um, Lord, I pray that you would uh, guide our thoughts and um, as we respond to to who you are and what you've done, I pray that you would um, guide us and 
connect our hearts to your truth. Um, Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. I want to just say a couple of things, reiterate um, some stuff here. Uh, it's, It's beautiful to think that a lot of a lot of times, I, I love your your thought that we we need to um, believe before we feel, and don't let our feelings shape our beliefs, and to continually speak the truth until we can believe it. And it's a fight, it's a struggle, and it's not always. I think we come to church a lot of times, and we hear somebody say speak truth to us and we think that man there's something wrong with us if we don't believe it like that um but one of the one of the purposes of having our just people our normal people standing in front of us proclaiming the truth is that we we just kind of wrestle with these things and and i think give you permission to wrestle with with that idea that there's things that in scripture that i sometimes don't believe to be true but to meditate and press those things into our heart i think it's it's an important thing and and rebecca has has shown and, and illustrated examples of how those things kind of just buoy her in in times of struggle because life isn't always perfect because life isn't always great and sometimes we don't want to believe the things in scripture we just want to feel how we feel but god is pressing into that and he wants to bring us joy and and salvation um but the thing that I want to end on to, for us this morning is, is this concept that of the steadfast nature of love and that wherever you find yourself in the spectrum of connection or, or disconnection to God, he loves you. Wherever, wherever you are in terms of how you think he sees you or how you think you see him, whatever that is, wherever that is. He loves you steadfastly. And the beautiful part is his steadfast love has only to do with him and nothing to do with you. So if you feel deeply connected to God today, don't worry. There's a time coming where you're going to want to not have anything to do with him. You're going to be angry. You're going to be frustrated. You're not going to believe that he loves you steadfastly. In those moments, he loves you steadfastly. And even if you're here this morning and, and God is distant or God is different and God is, you just, you just aren't feeling it. The, the truth is God loves you in that moment, in that place, in that station, in that season. God loves you. Out of, in spite of fear of feeling like we're in a second grade Sunday school class, God loves you. That's incredible. God loves you. Let me pray again. God, thank you that you love us. God, teach us in the quiet places outside of of this room, outside of the thoughts that we're supposed to think because we're in church. God, teach us in the quiet, still moments that you love us. God, when it's hard to believe that you love us because life sucks or is hard, 
God, would you show up in those times and show us that you love us? God, when our heart rejects you, when our mind doubts you, when we just don't want to, God, would you remind us that you love us? And God, would you allow that notion, that truth to bubble up and and come out of us, Father, that, that we might love just as, as we don't deserve your love. There are people in our lives that don't deserve our love, Father, but may your steadfast love send us out on mission to love those around us. Father, I just, I just pray that you would connect our hearts with your steadfast love that's better than life. And Lord, we await the day that we know your steadfast love because we're face to face with it, with you. Thank you so much for the example and the life of Jesus Christ who allows us to be in your presence because of the work that he's accomplished. It's in his name that I pray.